Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to America's Best Baseball Podcast. We take you behind the scenes in and around Major League Baseball with former big league manager Kevin Kennedy and veteran baseball broadcaster Rich Herrera. This is the only weekly podcast hosted by someone like Kennedy who played, coached, and managed in pro ball. So we can take you into the manager's office for a real insider's view of baseball alongside a veteran baseball broadcaster like Herrera who has covered the game from coast to coast. So let's talk some baseball with your hosts. Here they are. The skipper, Kevin Kennedy, and Rich Herrera. Thanks for joining us, everybody, at America's Best Baseball Podcast. Rich Herrera, Kevin Kennedy. Kevin has flown back from the East Coast to the West Coast after a long, lengthy night in, um, where were you, Philadelphia? Philadelphia, yeah, that was uh, the longest night in Philly that I've ever spent. <laughs> Boy, that sure. just sounds like a joke that we don't want to tell on, uh, <laughs> on the podcast. But I was watching the game, and then I went off to go do something else, and I was flipping around. Uh, listening online, I'm like, oh, look, the Dodger game is still, and I put it on. I don't know why I was just kind of playing with my phone. I'm like, wow, there's Rick Monday and Kevin Kennedy, and they're still talking. There must be a replay of the game. And then I look, I'm like, holy cow, they're in the 14th inning, 15, 16 innings, six hours, Skip. Six hours was the fourth longest uh, game in Dodger history, not L.A. Dodger, Dodger history. So actually the fifth, they they. They edited it the next day. They felt that night they said it was the fourth, and uh, that's what we announced. And then the next day they said, "No, I guess by a couple of minutes they found another game, way back when." So fifth longest game in Dodger history as far as time goes, almost six hours. So that, yeah, that was a long time to not get up and have to take a break, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's well, I, I not now. I wasn't doing the play-by-play. I was doing the pre and post. You might have been around, Skip. We had a Red Sox-Rays game once that I think went 22, 23, 24 innings. Oh, yeah, I didn't do that one. I don't remember doing that one. I remember in San Diego, um, and Louis Perdomo was pitching very well in relief a couple of years ago. I was working with Rick Monday, and we went 16 innings that day. It wasn't (laughs) as long as far as uh, time, but it was getaway day that day for us to get back to L.A., which wasn't bad because I was driving my car. Um, but that went 16 innings as well. You know, you know, Rich, something a little sidebar to this. I've been involved in the two longest games in professional history. Wait, what, what? 1988, I managed the San Antonio Missions, and we were playing the Jackson Mets. Right. And we went 25 scoreless innings one night. I believe it was on a Thursday, I think. And um, we finally, the game was finally called. We called the league president. Both teams ran out of players. Um, And guess who pitched, by the way, innings, seven innings of shutout relief. It was now a uh, well-known pitching coach that you knew very well in Tampa Bay. And now he's with Joe Madden in Chicago. Oh, I saw that. I did not know that Jim Hickey played for you. 
Yeah, he came to us as a release guy, and he was with us just for a short period of time. Nice guy, but he pitched seven scoreless innings in relief to get us to about the 23rd inning. And then I had a guy named Barry Wohler, who no, I don't think made it to the big leagues, but he was supposed to pitch two days later and basically had to wake him up <laughs> down in the bullpen. Uh, people said he was asleep, but other other teammates say, no, he was just resting. He never did fall asleep. But anyway, we had to wake him up. He pitched two more scoreless innings. And finally, um, both sides decided we, we were out of players. You know, we didn't want to get anybody hurt. And uh, we called the league president. And there was no curfew in those days in the uh, in the league, apparently. The Southern League. I mean, excuse me, the Texas League. And uh, we, we stopped the game, I think it was, we started the game at 7-ish, and we stopped the game at, I think, 2.33 in the morning, somewhere in there. Um, the game, but it was a scoreless game. So it was the longest professional scoreless game in baseball history. It still is. Wow. Game was resumed on a Saturday, two days later, and we won the game in one inning. We, uh, so we, in 26 innings, we, re- we beat the uh, Jackson Mets one to nothing. And later on, Peter O'Malley sent on a big piece of uh, beautiful laminated wood and a, the article of, uh, of the record that, um, that still holds to this day. It's the longest scoreless game in professional baseball history. It was 25 innings. And then, of course, the final score was one to nothing. It gives all the details of some of the guys that were in it. You know, John Wetland was in it. John Wetland uh, was not pitching that day, but I did pinch hit him about the 20th inning. <laughs> and he got a base hit, and he got picked off immediately. And you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, just just uh, just guys like that. I mean, Mike Huff, who had some time in the big leagues with the Dodgers in Toronto and right the White Sox. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think of guys that. Uh, now, what happens in that in the in like the 15th, 16th inning? And you're like, all right, just somebody win this darn game. Let's go home. I'll tell you what happened. That's a great question because I really want to get this across to people. What happens? And this happened the other night as well in Philadelphia is when you get into that crazy area, when you start getting, okay, it's not the 10th, you know, get past the 11th the 12th. Now all of a sudden it gets into, you're going around a lineup a second time in extra innings. Now it's now a third time. Now you start getting to the point of delirium. I mean, you start going, wait a minute, what what's going on? Nobody can score. Both teams had runners in scoring position several times. Couldn't get the game winning hit. What happens is the defense. And I found this to be true. Even as a player, you don't want to be the guy to blow the game. So your defense, defensive um, concentration and fine focus becomes even greater than it does in a normal game, you know, because you don't have any more time. In a normal game, it's not that you don't have great focus nine, for nine innings, but sometimes in the first inning, guys aren't ready. You'll see a, a couple of sloppy plays like we saw the very next day, by the way, by the Phillies. But you'll just bear down then, right? Because you don't want to be the guy. You don't want to be the guy to be the goat. It's just kind of like a no hitter. You don't want to be the guy that gives up the hit. It, that's exactly the feeling. Well said. That's exactly the feeling you have. And I could tell you that I had a guy named Walt McConnell that made some diving plays, threw a guy out at home, third baseman, balls to his left. Mike Huff, Huff made it was a center fielder, made some tremendous diving catches and. Uh, it was just unbelievable to see the defense and the and the way the guys in the 18th and 19th and 20th innings were still playing like it was just like they were fresh, like it was still seven o'clock. Um, it was it was the greatest one of the you know top five games, greatest games I've ever been involved in. What about and, when you start to ask guys 
to do things they normally don't do. So, like you said, you want to let them go in there and run uh, Kiki Hernandez. No, 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 he pinched it. He pinched it. Excuse me. No, you no, had, I, would, uh, I would never have let him run. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> in case he's listening, nope, you, you pinch it. Then he got picked off. You got, but, you got a base hit. Well, he's a good hitting pitcher. Right. So, about the 18th or 20th inning, I think it was, I need a, a hitter. Um, and he got picked off right away. Yeah. What about for for the Dodgers the other night? At the end of the ball game, they used Kike Hernandez uh, to go in there and, and throw. What's it like when you have to go ask somebody to do something they normally don't do? You might not even be able to uh, – you might not know whether he can pitch or not. Well, the difference between the minor leagues and the big leagues is that in the minor leagues, we used to have to put on our card EP. And what that meant was extra pitcher. And that was a regular. You put the little uh, uh, initials by that, that particular player. So if a manager wanted to use a non uh, a non pitcher in a game, he would have an EP by his name. And I was that guy in, in Albuquerque two different years for Del Crandall, 1982 and 1983. I pitched uh, I pitched in Hawaii uh, an inning plus, and I pitched in Albuquerque. I've got a 3.86 ERA, not bad, you know, <laughs> lifetime. But, I like the um, fact that you know what it is. I do know what it is. I, yeah, I think I, which is two and a third. Yeah, I gave up one run and two and a third or two and two thirds innings, whatever it was. But uh, I faced Tony Gwynn, by the way, in Hawaii. And he, I, I jammed him. He got a bloop base hit. Candy Maldonado was a center fielder. He broke back on the ball and then came in. And by then it was too late. Uh, so I got to face the great Tony Gwynn, and I'm proud to say he did get a base hit off me, but actually the ball should have been caught. So there, there you go. See, that's what always but happens. I do remember some of that more than my playing days, but believe it or not. Um, but, yeah, that's how it used to be. It, well, in today's game with with Kike, we, we had no idea because you don't do that. You don't put an EP by anybody's name. You just can ask a guy to pitch like Rizzo pitched the other night for the Cubs, and we've seen uh, – we saw Hernan uh, – um, the second baseman for um, Milwaukee. Right. He pitched the other day. He pitched two innings for Milwaukee. In fact, they had three innings of, uh, of bullpen relief in game three. And this was only two days later that we had this game and another uh, non-pitcher pitch. And, and Rick Monday had already done some homework, by the way, and it's important to bring up. This is a record in Major League Baseball to this point in time of most non-pitchers pitching Position in a game. players pitching. Position players pitching, there's articles out about it, than ever in the history of our game. So um, I don't feel so bad, I guess, about pitching Conseco now, I guess. No, I'm, I'm, I, I'm kidding. I don't want to get into that. I'm no, no, that's for another one. But what happens but, afterwards? So you guys, are, the Dodger game is going on. For those who didn't hear, here's what happens at the end of the game with Kike Hernandez on the mound. 2-2 pitch on the way. Fly a ball, right field. It is up. It is out. And it is gone. A walk-off home run by Trevor Plutz here in the bottom of the 16th inning with the Dodgers pressed into action. K.K. Hernandez to pitch the 16th inning. The Dodgers at one time left, led this game 4-1. to one. The Phillies come back, and it's a walk-off blast in a game that went 16 innings and a very frustrating loss and a long night for this Dodger ball club. Highlight courtesy of the Dodgers radio network. What happens afterwards when you have a game like that? You gave it your all. One side's got to be thrilled. The other side, how dejected do you get? Well, I think the the, the surprise was that, first of all, Rich Hill, for people that didn't see it, and we, we described it on radio, but maybe the people on TV saw it, but some people didn't or maybe didn't even hear about it. Rich Hill comes running out of the dashing, dugout, yeah, dashing out of the dugout in between outs as the uh, – 
as the Dodgers were batting in the top of the 16th. And the Dodgers, as it turned out, had runners at second and third and two outs, and Logan Forsyth, uh, Forsyth was, was up, who had come into the game in a double switch uh, a couple innings earlier. And we assumed that Rich was just going in there to pitch the bottom of the 16th if the Dodgers scored or not and go on as many innings as he could. His start was due to be yesterday, which was two days later. So we figured, well, the Dodgers really have six guys that can start, so I guess they were going to scratch his start. That's the way we thought, and have Rich go as many as he could. Well, what happened was Kike comes in, and he was. we found out the next day, he was told by one of the players, and we don't know who, and we didn't find out who, and nobody's telling who, but one of the players or two of the players apparently – told Kike, throw the ball slow. Don't throw your arm out. Don't throw overthrow. Just throw the ball slow, like below hitting speed, and and you'll get them out. And what he did, he threw so slow, he couldn't command it. He started aiming and it. He started aiming it. He started dart throwing. That's exactly what we were saying, and he walked the first two guys. And he did the same thing to Trevor Pluth. In fact, Trevor Pluth swung at a ball in off a plate that was a ball. And then he threw out a he swung at a pitch that was up and away that was actually a ball and he hit it to right field and it carried out of the ballpark for a three run home run and that mm. won the game. So um, I was shocked because if you heard the radio broadcast, I know Kiki has maybe the best arm on the field as far as defense. I mean, he, uh, outside of you know Yasiel Puig who's not who's injured right now, or maybe even Cody Bellinger, he's got a tremendous throwing arm. Uh, oh, and we should bring up Machado too. Machado's got a rocket, but you're not going to use him. Right. Um, so I thought Kiki would be throwing, you know, 85 to 90 miles an hour, you know, not knowing how maybe the delivery, he wouldn't have the it legs like underneath him. He was trying him. to throw a knuckleball. I thought he was throwing a knuckleball. In fact, I think he did. I think he was making some pitches up is what it looked like. But anyway, yeah, he was throwing at 60 miles an hour, 66 miles an hour. And then finally, after he walked a couple, all of a sudden I saw one pitch that was 81, and I think another one was clocked at 85. And I go, all right, right. now he's throwing it. Just let it go. And then he went back to, to throwing the slow pitch again, and went, that's when Trevor Plouffe hit the home run to right field. Mm. So um, after we got on the bus, uh, the guys were just kind of tired and delirious. Matt Kemp was sitting across from me, and uh, they were just exhausted. Matt only pinch hit in that game. He didn't play the whole game. But um, the guys were just exhausted because we had a day game the next day. So the bus got back to the hotel at 2.30ish, I believe it was. Right, and you probably have bags have to be downstairs by 7.00. Yeah, we had a we had a uh, day game the next day, a twelve thirty start by the way the next day, and so we had maybe three or four hours sleep. Yeah, the bags had to be down at uh, eight, you know, but first bus, uh, there's usually two buses, uh, early bus and late bus. Well, they obviously they 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 stopped BP, and um, anyway, we ended up getting there, um, getting about uh, I guess three or four hours sleep maximum. Mm. You know, if you, if you could even go to sleep on a game like that, so. It was just strange. So to get back to Rich, so I saw Rich Hill when, when we got off the bus. I'm waiting. The elevators in this hotel uh, took a long time. So I sat down in a, in a chair that was there, and Rich was walking by. And I got to know Rich a couple of years ago. And I say, hey, Rich, because, he, he, you know, he doesn't see me on every trip. And he's a Boston guy. So I think he remembers me from managing the Red Sox back in the mid-'90s when he was about 15 years of age or so. And, and he, uh, he always comes up to me and he said, hello. And I said, Hey, let me ask you something. Everybody else had walked away, got on the elevator. I said, were you going to pitch a couple of innings in a tie game? He said, no, I was only going down there. The re reason I rushed down there and I was using two balls to, to get loose two baseballs so fast, um, is because I was going to, 
I was going to be the guy to save the game because they had pinch hit in Kenley's spot. You know, Kenley Jansen oh. was in the game. They had already pinch hit in that spot. And and uh, it might have been Matt Kemp had popped out, I believe. I can't. I mean, it's hard to remember if I look at my book. I had the scorebook. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Kenley was out of the game. So, they, you know, somebody had to pitch. And so he was going down there to save. He said that's all they were going to use me for was to save it. And consequently, if it was a tie game, it was going to be a position player. And that's that's where that's it came out to be Kiki Hernandez. And the other longest game, and I won't get long into this because I want to yeah, stay current. Yeah, because we got to talk about all of these all these but trades. Ni- but ni- but nineteen eighty one, the strike year of nineteen eighty one, I was involved as a player. That was the only time I've been on the deal in uniform, watching this thing with my teammates. In the thirty one, it became thirty two inning scoreless game against the Pawtucket Red Sox. Right. I was a Ro- Rochester Red Red Wing, and both Wade Boggs and Cal Ripken were in that game, and. I remember Dallas Williams, who had some big league time, went about 0 for 16. But, yeah, I was involved in that game, too, as a player that was hurt and in uniform but watched it. It was even worse to watch it than uh, than uh, play it. Dave Huppert, the catcher, caught all 31 innings Oof. that day. Yeah, Because wow. our other catcher was a guy named Ed Putnam out of USC. He went to pinch hit, and as he was warming up, it was so cold and strange weather that he pulled a groin muscle warming up on the on-deck circle. So wow. Dave Huppert got all 31 innings. Okay, now we can move on. <laughs> all right, so you mentioned uh, Manny Machado, who's got a pretty good arm. Let's talk about Manny going to Los Angeles. Manny Wood 2.0. Um, give me the reaction. Uh, give me all your thoughts being on the road with the Dodgers coming off this last road trip. Oh, everybody was excited. The fans, the players. Uh, if you saw a video uh, on, on, I guess it was Instagram, uh, Justin Turner and, and Alex Wood were fishing, and both of them had their phones on them because we had heard about the trade at the All-Star break, and Manny said later he already knew that he was going to the Dodgers before the, the All-Star game. And Matt Kemp and Manny Machado had known each other and worked out in Miami together years before, so that's why they took the selfie during the game that they did. But Manny already knew that he was a Dodger. And so we had a pretty good idea he was going to be a Dodger. And Alex Wood and uh, Justin Turner were on their boat. And I guess uh, Justin's wife was was taping it or filming it or whatever you call it. And um, they put it on, on Instagram and Twitter. And they went nuts, those two guys. Alex Wood's the one that saw it first and then Justin right after. And when they, they heard they officially got Manny, Manny Machado. Because there was a snag with Dan Duquette and Peter Angelos, you know, as far as one of the players that the Dodgers were sending to them was was hurt. You know, you know the Red Sox, I mean, the Orioles. Orioles historically, I mean, they make you go through these physicals and the and they've they've nixed many a trade, including somebody you and I know, Grant Balfour. Remember back right, in the right, day, right? Uh, who was a closer at that time, signed a contract with them, and then because apparently he didn't pass a physical, t- you know, the, the Orioles they 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 nixed the deal, and it was like a three or four year deal. And consequently, I mean, everybody else passed him on a different physical. Other teams did, but but the Orioles didn't. So we there was a chance, you know, at least Rick Mundy and I thought there was a chance maybe that, you know, that deal doesn't go through because there's been a history of that. But at the end of the day, it did. And those two guys almost fell out of the boat, <laughs> Alex Wood and Justin Turner. And the fans uh, were going crazy. I mean, they, they are really happy. And the players, too. So And then we find out Justin Turner, who's had a adductor problem, with his groin, who hadn't played before the All-Star break, Rich, he ends up finally playing. He pinch hit one night, and he finally plays a game um, in, uh, in, I guess it was Philadelphia, and he hit a double, and he ends up having to come out of the game because he hurt the groin again. Now, he says he didn't hurt it any more than it already was hurt, but, you know, 
the Dodgers had, you know, Justin Turner in the lineup probably hitting two, Machado hitting three, or vice versa. They like Machado in the two spot. Either way, Dave Roberts wanted him hitting in the first inning for sure. But so really, it's not an even swap out because they're both great players. But, you know, the fact that they don't have both of them in the lineup really changes things because we don't know how long Justin's going to be out right now. But Manny uh, played shortstop and wants to play short. But he also said during the trade, he said to the Dodgers and Dave Roberts, he'll do anything to win. And he said, I'll play third base. And, you know, I looked his numbers up. He's played 798 games at third base in his big league career and 100 and uh, some odd games at shortstop. So he's played a lot more games at third base in the big league. So he's playing third base right now. And if he could do more like this. Now Machado with a fly ball to left field. Well hit on its way and it's gone. Manny Machado with his first home run as a Dodger. On the first pitch of the sixth inning, no doubt about it. The Dodgers take a 3-0 lead. Highlight courtesy of the Dodgers radio network. I mean, you had this bat, that defense. Kevin, are the Dodgers a team to beat now? I think in the West they are, yeah. I mean, you know, just a few hours ago, um, it was official that Cole Hamels was traded from the uh, Texas Rangers to the Cubs, and I know yeah, we can get into go, some of these other deals. Now, so. But I think in the National League West, that was a big loss that uh, was blown. Boxberger blew a save again for the D-backs. They had a two-run lead, and he gave up three in the uh, bottom of the ninth against the Cubs, and they could have won three out of four. And so the Dodgers end up picking up a game on them. And Colorado's hanging in there. They're, they're two to two and a half out. Arizona's been hanging around a, a game and a half out or so. But I think right now, with the depth of the Dodgers starting pitching, the bullpen has been really good, really, really good. And I know they probably were looking at Zach Britton, and we know he went to the Yankees. But I think they're probably going to get another bullpen piece before it's all said and done. But I feel like, yes, um, that they are the team to beat. I think Machado, Machado is that much of a difference maker. He had his 25th home run overall last night. His first as a Dodger. We saw really good at bats in Philadelphia where if they, you put the shift on, Gabe Kaplan put the shift on every time he came up. Nobody was on the right side. And when he had two strikes, he just took the base hit to right field. Uh, really smart hitter, not just a pull hitter. Goes the other way. Hit a big triple opposite field that helped him win game one over there uh, in uh, in Philadelphia. So, and defensively, I didn't know his arm was as strong as it is. I mean, he's got a rocket for an arm. From shortstop in the hole, he made a couple of great plays in uh, against the Phillies in game one. And at third base, I mean, of course, he's got a third baseman's arm. But he's got a rocket. He's got a plus-plus arm defensively. Very good hands. And a really good guy. So, yeah, he's, he's a great fit for the Dodgers. So, with all that going on, Skip, the Cubs end up making a deal. They get, uh, they get Cole Hamels from the Rangers. Uh, you, you've got some movement around in the central. Let's talk about all the, the rest of these trades. So, we'll start with Cole Hamels. He gets away from Arlington where he had not pitched very well this year. Gets a chance to go join the Cubs and Joe Madden. What do you think? I think he'll be rejuvenated. As long as he's healthy and we understand that he is, I think he'll be rejuvenated on a, on a team that might end up with the best record in the National League. Uh, Joe Madden, of course, is great to play for. He keeps it loose. I think he's going to have a lot of fun. He's on a really good team. Chicago's a great place to, to play, a great, great place to live, especially during a baseball season. I think it was a huge pickup for them. I think they had to because they don't know about Darvish, the health of Darvish. Darvish hasn't done anything all year. He's been on the DL for quite a while. Um, so this is a really big pickup. If Darvish gets back for, for some reason and pitches, let's say, the final six weeks of the season or month of the season even, then they're sitting really good for the playoffs with Lester, Cole Hamels, 
and Hugh Darvish. Not that Quintana isn't fine, and Chatwood's very wild. I can't see him being a playoff starting pitcher. Right. Um, but that, that just has been through it before. Yeah, and it gives him an ace. It gives him two aces at the top of their rotation because you still have to consider Cole Hamels an ace as far as I'm concerned, especially with this club, uh, the Chicago Cubs. Oh, I mean, you go from where he was in Texas to hanging out with Joe Madden and the Cubs in, in Wrigleyville. That's like uh, that's just like getting a whole new lease on life. Uh, yeah, it's new- a reprieve. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. The New York Yankees add by picking up uh, some relief pitching, but then they're going to lose this guy who's hit a ton of home runs. Swung on and drilled to deep left center field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Into the visitor's bullpen. A judging blast. Aaron Judge gets his third hit of the day. A line drive into the visitor's bullpen. All rise. Here comes the judge. Highlight courtesy of the Yankees radio network. Judge goes on the disabled list. He's going to be out maybe three weeks with a a chip fracture uh, after being hit by a pitch. So plus and minus the New York Yankees as they try to chase down the Red Sox, Skip. Well, that, see, that could happen to anybody. That's what I said about Justin Turner. The Dodgers don't know how long now the, the adductor is, is going to keep him out. You know, he's been hurt off and on all year with the wrist uh, injury. And, and so a lot of clubs are going through this. You know, you, you add a guy and then you lose a guy. So for the Yankees, Britain is another great addition because recently he's been showing some velocity up to 95 miles an hour. Um, his stuff has been really good in his last six or seven appearances. You know, the guy's been hurt for almost two years. And he was the best closer in baseball, what, uh, two, three years ago. Uh, so that's a really good pickup. And I was telling Rick Monday when I saw that, I guess I said that I guess they're going to have it be a four-inning pitching game and a starting game, and then they're going to go five innings of bullpen, almost like uh, Terry Francona did with the Indians a couple of years ago because they've got such a strong bullpen. I'll tell you, if, you're not, if the starter has a lead, let's say after five innings, I mean, they can, they can mix and match for 12 outs, not just – nine or, or even six outs. I mean, they're, that's very deep. But losing Judge in that two spot in the, the year that he's having, that's a huge loss. You know, and, and you don't know from when you break a hand or break a finger or break a wrist, uh, you don't know how a guy's going to come back. And I can tell you, when Justin Turner broke his wrist, he has never been the same quite yet. Um, the pain was there even after he was okay to play. So you really don't know how guys are going to heal heal because yeah, he's big and strong and he uses his legs to hit for power. But at the end of the day, your hands are the last thing to fire on the kinetic chain of hitting. And you don't, you don't know how he's going to react. I mean, look at Chris Bryant who's out on the DL again. And because he finishes high with one hand, that left shoulder is bothering him. Chris Bryant was altering his swing and, and Joe Madden saw it and said, you know what? He's not swinging right. Yeah, we want him out there and yeah, he's getting a few hits, but he's not hitting for power. He's trying to uh, alter his swing. We're going to put him back in the DL, and you don't know how long he's going to be out. That's a really dangerous injury. So uh, Zach Kozark, I I can't say it's a similar injury as far as I don't know exactly what the problem is in in his left shoulder, but Zach Kozark um, ended up having season-ending surgery on his rotator cuff. So we don't know how bad Chris Bryant is hurt. So I'm just saying a a lot of guys, a lot of teams get guys, but then they lose key players as well. All right. I want to end our podcast talking about the red-hot Oakland Athletics, and I will quote the late, great Bill King. Holy Toledo. Skip, can you believe this? The pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. Way back there in left field. Roll it back at the wall. It is gone. 
Chris Davis unloads on Austin Bibbins-Dirks. A three-run blast to left, and the A's have come all the way back. They trailed a 10-2 going to the seventh. They lead a 13-10 here in the 10th. Highlight courtesy of the Oakland A's radio network. Skip, explain to me the magic of the Oakland A's. Well, I heard Bob Melvin say something about three weeks ago, and I really thought it was true. And because I do satellite radio on Saturday nights, including this Saturday night, um, it's a show called Round Trip. And I tend to have to, well, I don't tend to, I have to watch every game that I possibly can. So I've seen a lot of, uh, of these teams that are, you know, battling for the wild card or in first place. So I've seen a lot of the Oakland A's. I've seen Sean Manaya. I saw his no hitter. I watched that game. Um, I, I've seen some of their pitchers that I never knew any, some of their names, Trevino's one of them. And I heard Bob Melvin talk about, he said, what people don't know about us is that we had all these high draft picks because we've been in last place a lot. Well, now all these guys have come up to the minor leagues, and now they're, it's their time in the big leagues. They're all up together. And so you might not know the names on a national scale, but, but these are really good high-end players that were drafted high. And now they're showing it in the big leagues. So they're for real. And I saw them score. The Dodgers already played them once at Dodger Stadium two games, and they split a two-game series. This was back in, I think it was either late April or May. And the, the, the second game, the A's beat the Dodgers at Dodgers team. They scored 16 runs. And I said, well, that's an aberration to my, myself. That's, that has to be an aberration. But then I saw some of these guys, you know, over time and, and doing this show on Saturday nights that I do when I'm not doing a Dodger game. And I'm like, you know what? There's some interesting guys. They got some great arms. And now I've seen Blake Trinan before, but I've never seen him as successful as he has been since he got traded from the Washington Nationals to, to, to the uh, A's. Um, they've got, you know, Bookter is a guy, you know, from San Diego, right. big lefty with a great arm. I mean, they've got, they've got 12 they got outs. Hammers. They got 12 outs down there. I mean, if they get a lead after five innings, they can shut you down. That bullpen well, could shut you down. Well, how about just the comebacks? I mean, you have to believe that you're going to win every night. We've talked about it. Do you think you're going to win or do you wish you're going to win right now? They think they're going to win. They expect to win right now. Chris Davis, of course, had a big, another big one the other night, another big home run to win it. But other guys are doing it. Olsen's doing it. They have uh, third base, and Chapman's a good player. Um, they've just got they've got some depth that, of guys that you just have to start paying attention to them because they got depth throughout that lineup. Like like people don't know on a national scale. Like I said, and and you don't go this deep into the season, Rich, and be this far over 500 unless you're for real. Especially in the American League, where there's three teams, maybe even four, that might win 100 games. I'm not going to say overall it's a tougher to, the league because uh, there's some teams in that divi- that league that are also going to lose 100 games, like right. Baltimore and maybe Kansas City and maybe Chicago, the White Sox. But, I mean, there's some really, really good teams, including one or two in their own division that were on pace to have over 100, and that's Seattle, and that's, of course, Houston. So uh, they're for real, and you can't take them lightly. We're going to see them. The Dodgers are going to see them two more times up in Oakland. I don't, I'm not on that trip, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll be watching both those games intently. It's going to be really interesting to see how – how they match up now. Hats off to one of the most abused uh, fan bases in all of baseball as well. They took the tarp off from one of the Bay Bridge games, and they had the biggest crowd in baseball uh, this year. 56,000-plus came out to see the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants. So those green-collar fans up there that have been long-suffering, hats off to them, Skip. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, if you win, they'll come out. You know, that's the reason. People say, well, people are not baseball fans. They are. I mean, look at the teams that they had, you know, when they won in the 70s, three championships in a row. Right. 
when Dick Williams was managing. They've had great players. People came out. They it's came just, out for Billy Ball. They came out for the Bash Brothers. Yeah, they did. Exactly. They came out if for Moneyball, and now they're coming out for the Come From Behind Oakland A's. If there's something to be excited about, they will come out, no matter what kind of venue you have. And obviously, they've tried to improve that venue. But um, they will come out. You don't, you don't always have to have a Camden Yards or you know, the best stadium in the world and, you know, the best suites in the world. The people normally just go there. I mean, the, 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 the true fans go there for baseball, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you have all the extras, that's just a plus. But the real fans, and I know I was one as a kid. I didn't care what venue I went to. I, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to see a baseball Skip, game. Skip wasn't up in the uh, stadium club and uh, the suites no. ordering off a dessert cart, right? Right, exactly. No, not no. at all. We were sitting out in the in – the, in the bleachers, or we were sitting way up top for a buck and a quarter to, to see a Dodger game back hey, in the 60s. Quote, quote Humphrey Bogart, a hot dog at the ball game is better than a steak at the Ritz. That's, I'm telling you, that's what you go there for. I don't Absolutely. need a steak there. Absolutely. I'll take a hot dog and a Coke and watch a ball game. I don't need a steak there. There you and go. A, and, and a linen tablecloth. But uh, that's, <laughs> that's the way it is today. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast for today. We appreciate you joining us. Don't forget, you can always find Kevin on uh, Twitter, Kevin Kennedy MLB. I'm RBI Rich on Twitter, and we'll talk to you next time on America's Best Baseball Podcast. Thanks for joining us for America's Best Baseball Podcast. Our podcast was produced by Braden Suppernant. Find us on Facebook at America's Best Baseball Podcast. You can find Kevin at Kevin Kennedy MLB on Twitter, and you can find Rich on Twitter at RBI Rich. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.